Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Amen. Wow, good morning. This is going to be a great Sunday. So good. My name is Joel, and this is fun because it's Pentecost Sunday, and you guys know what that means. We get to celebrate Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the believer with the supernatural power that goes way beyond anything we can do. Oh, that's such good news. Wow. Man, um, I am excited to be here. I love your guys' church. I grew up here. And the Dove Network, Dove Newport, Dove Westgate, the network, this community here has blessed me so much. And I just honor you guys for what God is doing even in your midst. And I just want to honor the leadership. Even Merle, Matt, David, the pastoral staff, you guys are incredible. Can we just honor them right now? Love them. And I, I just want you guys to know, like, their commitment to the word of the Lord and their commitment to seeking God in faith, and to really seeking obedience to the Holy Spirit over church programming, over church growth, all those things which are fine, but honoring God's word and honoring faith in the presence and the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's kind of abnormal, to be honest. And they're awesome. They're doing it. And you guys here have cultivated a place for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I honor you guys and what he's doing in your midst. So excited. Um, so a little bit about myself. I'm going to share some context of what I believe God is doing here in the region, even with the Jesus rallies, the season that we're in, that God, I believe, is doing something unique in salvation movement, in revival, in an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to dive a little bit into Acts 1-5 and unpack the baptism of the Holy Spirit's power and what we celebrate even on the day of Pentecost and then we're going to lay hands on you guys and it's going to get really fun. But hey, if I don't have to lay hands with you, that's great. You know, we see in Acts 10, as Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on people and it just started happening. So if you have faith for it, you can just receive from your seat, okay? I just want the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit to come on you, right? Um, So if you don't know me, I grew up here in Lancaster County. I was homeschooled, youngest of six. Any other homeschoolers out there? Big families, all right, yeah, okay. Not so enthusiastic, but I'm breaking the homeschool stereotypes all over the place. You know, people are like, you know, they're really socially awkward. And I was like, I don't know. I guess I am. But we're not, we're not, okay. But then I moved to California, was, got married in 2013, moved to California with circuit riders, and everybody thought I was crazy, you know. We had like our first kid, and they're like, all right, that's awesome. Then they have a second kid. They're like, why do you have a second kid? You're like, it's, it's fine. It's just like a kid and a dog. And then I start to have a third kid. They're like, what is going on with you? you know? They find out like my, my siblings all are on their like sixth and seventh kid. And they're like, they're, they're, what is wrong with those people? You know? And it's like for me, it's like my, kid, my parents now have their 30th grandkid. So it's just like that's just like normal. In fact, moving back here, they're kind of like, why do you have so little kids? You, know, you only have three. You need to have some more, right? That's just how Lancaster is. Just people are like popping out babies. Take fr- be fruitful and multiply, right? 
It's like, that's the mandate of the Lord, Holy Spirit movement, hallelujah, right? Wowzers. So I moved back here because my whole life has been given to seeing young people encounter Jesus Christ. And the message this morning on the power of the Holy Spirit changed me forever. So I am super passionate about it and believe that lives today can be changed. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are a, a person in the workplace, whether you're a young person in high school, the Holy Spirit's power can change your life. Because like I said, I grew up in a great family, youngest of six, Christian. But for me, my story was, though I called myself a Christian, I never lived like Christ. And I prayed the prayer of salvation. You know, I read a Proverbs a day keeps the devil away. Anybody heard that saying? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I read the Bible. I prayed before I went to sleep. But listen, all throughout high school, I, I was filled with depression. I was addicted to pornography. I had, I had stuff going on inside. I left, lived promiscuous life. I snuck out at night, did all sorts of rebellious things, going to parties, and was angry and bitter at my parents, all of these things. And for me, my life looked nothing like Christ, though I called myself a Christian. And I remember even in my junior year having just depression. I was popular on the outside. I lived a great life on the outside. Everybody was like, wow, Joel, it's awesome, you know. I had like a slam Volkswagen Golf. It was like sweet, you know. I'm like a popular kid. I'm like, I love people, whatever. But I, inside, I would cry myself to sleep. Inside, I remember like entertaining suicidal thoughts. I remember anger. I remember pain, all of this stuff. And I had gone to even Christian counseling for years for the addictions to pornography and other things, and nothing helped. And it wasn't until my senior year of high school, 17 years old, when I had a profound encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit, where he came on me, and in a moment... When his power rested on me, not just a good ideology, not just a good prayer, not just to call myself a Christian, but the Holy Spirit's power came on me, I was forever changed. And in that moment, I was free of the depression. I was free from the addictions. I was free from all of that stuff, and my life has never been the same since. And that's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. He loves to come on us and do what we cannot do. He loves to bring freedom. He loves to bring hunger for the word. He loves to bring faith. He loves to bring supernatural ability where we do not have ability. And it starts, I won't go into my whole story because it's more to it, but it always starts with a seeking of him and a repentance. We have to turn from saying, man, I don't want to live that way anymore, and I want to seek you for a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for a pouring of your power. And when his power meets our inability something supernatural takes place. So a lot of these Jesus rallies this summer is us collectively as a region seeking the greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit's power. For us individually, for our families, but for our community and our region. Because man, when the Holy Spirit comes, it changes lives. And I know that your life might need changed. But I know that our communities need changed. Our schools need changed. Our nation needs changed. And it's not going to happen through good church programming. Though that is maybe an important aspect, it's only going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You guys hearing me? Are you with me? And listen, I know that there's something unique happening right here in Lancaster right now. Because I was living, you know, a full-time missionary, traveling the nation with circuit riders, all of this stuff. And the Lord turned my attention back to Lancaster, Amy and I, very specifically for this season. So I'm not going to relent until I see what I believe God wants to do here. And I know that you guys are all feeling it too. Every church you go to, it seems like there's another vision, there's another prophecy. You know, another pastor's like, man, there's a dream. There's a revival happening here. Oh yeah, Lancaster, something's happening here. Every church you go to, somebody has a word. How many of you guys, I would even be, I'm sure, would have a dream, a journal entry, a thought, God's doing something significant right here. And you guys know, even in the Dove Network yourself, it's Lee Dematos. Is that how you say his name? Dematos? He had that word. I'm sure you guys have heard it. That he had a vivid dream, kind of trance-like state of, of God pouring out his spirit in Lancaster, specifically in Ephrata, in such a profound way that it touched the nation, made national news, impacted the high schools, and was sent to California to carry that same revival on the West Coast. Do you guys believe we could see that? That's why we're in Ephrata every week, Thursday night, saying, God, we're not content to just pray for it and believe for it. We want to actually take a step of faith. And the last little thing I'll share, and I'll share some more stories before we quick jump into the scripture, is my wife and I had a dream right before we moved here. It's actually what convinced us to move here. And in this dream, I knew I've seen God moving among the youth. He's doing something. We're already seeing it begin to happen, but there's more. We're already seeing it begin to happen. I'll share some stories about that, but there's more. In this dream, I was in Lancaster County. This was before I moved back. And I was in a big barn packed with youth, probably about 500 youth in it. And this seventh grader wants to stand up on one of the barn rafters to share something they feel from God. And I was in the dream. It was crazy. Intuitively, I knew this is like the Welsh Revival. And I was like, I just intuitively knew. If you guys don't know what the Welsh Revival is, it happened in 1904 in the island of Wales. And it spread through that little island in a crazy revival, it's not an island. Did somebody say it's not an island? It was part of the British Isles, but Wales itself. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Wales, this little area on the British Isles. My Americanness is showing. I apologize. <laughs> but what I do know is that in a year's period. In that area of Wales, there was 100,000 salvations recorded in just a year's time. Bars were shutting down. Sports games would be closed. They would be doing prayer late into the night, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m., because everybody was hungry for the Spirit of God. And guess what? That Welsh revival started by young people. And the, one of the, the primary markers they, they state is when this young girl named Flory Evans in a youth meeting stood up in the middle of the youth meeting and said, I just love the Lord Jesus with my whole heart. And they say, as she shared that, the Holy Spirit conviction began to drop. And people began to feel an unnatural conviction and desire for the Holy Spirit. And the revival swept through that region in a year, 100,000 salvations. So in this dream, this little girl, seventh grader, I knew it was going to be similar to the Welsh revival. 
And as she stands up, the glory of the Lord hits the place in this dream. And I myself, I remember thinking like, I got to stay standing, I got to stay standing. But the glory hits me and I fall over backwards yelling. And I literally wake up next to my wife at three in the morning yelling. Never had that happen before. But I'm like, ah! And then immediately I heard the Lord say, what I'm doing in Lancaster is going to be like the Welsh revival. And I believe that he wants to pour out a salvation movement here. A salvation movement. That it goes beyond like, oh, this is just good meetings. You know, maybe people are falling down. People are getting healed. That's all good. I believe that we could see something like 200,000 salvations across this region because of the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And we're all believing it. We're all sensing it. And I'm saying, let's put action to it. That's why we're gathering in this tent behind the effort of middle school every Thursday night. I'm going to share a few stories about things that are already happening, and then I'm going to jump into Acts 1.5. Um, so, as I said, we're already seeing. You know, I've been traveling across the nation, and people are like, what is happening? There's something among the youth there. There's something among the churches there. Already, there's a movement of God's spirit, but like I said, there's more. And we've been seeing some youth just a little bit over here at ECC and some other Dove Westgate. Other youth are coming together every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. just to pray at the Gateway Barn, right? And we're beginning to see measures of God just pour out His Spirit. Every week, there's another physical healing that takes place. There's people sharing their faith, people getting saved. I mean, the, the miracles... And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is starting to get kind of crazy. I'm like, I can't imagine this having happened to me at age 15 and 16. And this is becoming normal for these high schoolers. The one girl, just to share a brief testimony, Lauren, she fell down the stairs and, like, messed up her elbow bad. It wasn't broken, but, like, she couldn't move it. It was swollen, tingly all the time. She couldn't go to work. She had to call off work for an entire week because she, like, couldn't do what she was supposed to do, was in a sling, and she had been prayed for throughout the weekend, and then she comes to Gateway on Wednesday night, and it was just the craziest moment. During worship, we kind of give a call for healing. Nobody even prays for her. She's just praying to God herself, God, would you heal this? And then she just moves her hand out, feels this intense pop, tingling sensation all over her arm, and then she just gets completely healed right there in this moment. God, it was beyond the minister doing anything, and it was just God showing up in the room, bringing healing. And she was completely fine, able to go back to work the next couple days, all the pain left. Miracles breaking out. Second story I'll share, and this is what I, I believe we're going into, is the Holy Spirit, when he comes on you, empowers you to be a witness. And we'll share more about that. This, this um, young man named Patrick, he comes to the prayer meeting. He had not been to church for a little while. He had gone to the youth group before. But he just recently started to kind of come back to the Lord. He goes to the house of prayer, gets profoundly touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. But remember, just like a week prior, he wasn't really walking with the Lord. It, he was like coming back, you know, the prodigal, the lukewarm, coming back. And he gets encountered by the Holy Spirit. And the next day, he's just like, man, I got to bring my Bible to school. I just got to bring my Bible and start reading it. So he goes to school, brings his Bible, sets it down at the lunch table, and is kind of reading with one of his friends. And then two friends come over who don't know Jesus, and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just reading my Bible. They're like, oh, what's, what's that all about? And he's like, you know what? This is crazy. This just comes on him. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on him. You start to do kind of crazy stuff. 
he's just like, you know what? I need to pray for you, and I'm going to prophesy over you. And this guy who's not a Christian is like, what does that even mean? And this is hilarious because Patrick is just kind of like sharing what's coming to him. He's like, I honestly don't really know, but we'll, if something good's going to happen, just watch, right? And he's like, okay. And he starts, he starts speaking. He's like, hey, um, I just see this picture of, of you in this dark place and going, this ladder's in this. And he starts describing this scene. And the kid, and he has no idea what he's saying. And then he starts describing accurately, don't you have an older sister and a younger sister? And the guy's like, how did you know all this? And this guy, Patrick, has no idea any of this. He just starts sharing things, right? And he starts, he's like, is there something with the ladder that happened recently and all this stuff? And all of a sudden, this other guy starts crying. His girlfriend behind him starts weeping, getting touched by God. And he finds out that just a week earlier, this non-Christian attempted suicide with a ladder in a basement with a firefighter that found him, that he, Patrick, just described accurately what happened. And Patrick has no idea. He's not done this before. He's this young youth who just was like, decided to bring his Bible to lunchroom, right? But he just started to take a step out, obey the unction of the Holy Spirit. And this kid just gets totally wrecked by God, is, is crying, is like, this is crazy, he's praying for him. And he, Patrick doesn't know what else to do just to pray for him and say, you're loved, you know, God loves you. And then the guy calls him five days later, and it literally leaves a voicemail and is laughing hysterically on the voicemail. And it's like, I have never experienced what I'm experiencing. God is doing something in my life. Show me how to give my life to Jesus. He calls him back, gives his life to Jesus. This kid got radically saved from him bringing his, his Bible to the lunch table. So I share all those stories to stir you up. God is doing something, and we're in the midst of it, but it's going to go way beyond. It's going to go way beyond. And it's for the mom. It's for the businessman. It's for the youth. The Holy Spirit wants to pour out. And I'm going to dive into Acts 1, 4 through 8. I'm going to unpack this text a little bit, give a few points about what we can take away from the Holy Spirit's power coming on us. It's a really fun scripture. It's my favorite. Acts 1-4. Jesus gathers them together. Now this is after he had raised from the dead. He speaks with them for probably about 40 days on things about the kingdom of God. Right? And he's about to ascend into heaven. So he gathers his disciple together in chapter 4. And he commands them not to leave Jerusalem. It's kind of how I feel like God's done for me right now. He's like, hey, don't leave Lancaster. I'm like, Why? There's other things. Like in another nation, you know, there's, there's other like opportunities. The Lord's like, no, Lancaster right now. Something's happening in Lancaster right now. Okay, okay. So he commands them, don't leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And then you know the rest of the story. He ascends. They're like, okay, what does this mean? We wait in Jerusalem. You know, they just kind of pray together and just start chilling. And then the day of Pentecost comes and whoosh, the Holy Spirit comes. 
And all of a sudden, the church is birthed. They're starting prophesying, speaking in tongues. They don't even know what's going on. Like Patrick, they're just like, what is happening? There's literally a flaming tongue of fire on your head. Never seen that before, you know? Everybody else is like, you're drunk. What's going on? He's like, it's not drunk. I'm 10 in the morning. You know, they're trying to figure it all out. But the Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches the message saying, hey, this is what Joel prophesied. And boom, 3,000 others are added to the church coming into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want that level of power where we give an altar call and 3,000 come. In fact, you didn't even give an altar call. That just says they were cut to the heart. I'm like, we need to see that in our schools, in our neighborhoods, communities. That's the day of Pentecost. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 5, the word baptism, it's literally just a submersion. It's like a dunking, right? It can actually be used in the same context in the Greek when they would dye clothes. They would submerge it in something, and it would change the fabric and the nature, change its color. The same with actually a pickle. You take a cucumber and you pickle it, and all of a sudden now it's a pickle. It changes something. So today we're going to talk about getting pickled in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, I want to be pickled. That's right. So, he's like, you're about to get submerged, pickled by the Holy Ghost. And then he's like, they are just so confused by this. I feel like whenever Jesus starts talking to us about what he wants to do, we just immediately go end times on it, right? We're just like, now's the season, the time, right? The war, the Gog and Magog and this and that. And Jesus is now the time you're coming back. That's exactly what the disciples were. They're like, it's now the time. Now's the time, right? That's exactly what we do. And Jesus is just kind of like, guys, you missed the priority here. I'm doing something else right now, okay? He's like, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. He's like, you have a wrong priority right now. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons, but what does he say the actual priority is? Verse 8. You will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Everybody say upon. And you shall be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. So guys, right here, the Holy Spirit comes upon you for the purpose to be a witness. There are people out there who need to know the name of Jesus there are people out there who don't need a good religion, don't need a good program, don't need good morality. They need a relationship with the King of Kings. And just like in my own life, I called myself a Christian, but I didn't know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. And they're only going to know when we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witness. Do you want it this morning? The Holy Spirit comes upon you to be his witness. As we see, Luke is actually the writer of Acts. So Acts is a great continuation of Luke's gospel. And how Luke ends is actually different than Matthew and Mark's great commission. Matthew and Mark, we know they're a great commission. But in Luke, he says this. He says, yes, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. But he says in, in verse 49 of Luke 24, behold, 
I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. And you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So kind of the first point that I've been hitting, the Holy Spirit clothes you with power to be his witness. Now just imagine this. I love that imagery. Clothed. Like put on like a bathrobe right now. Imagine just a warm, comfy bathrobe. It's just like steaming out of the dryer, right? You should put it on top of you. That's like the imagery God wants you to have when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's actually for a purpose. It rests on you. He rests on you with power. And the purpose is so you can witness and testify to the truth of Jesus Christ. And quickly, if we look at Peter, we'll see the result of this level of transformation. Because Peter walked with Jesus for three years. So he was a good Christian. He had a revelation of Jesus as the Messiah. He even had seen a level of miracles in, in his ministry, right? And Peter was the most zealous of all the apostles. I believe here in Lancaster and in this room, we're a room full of Peters. Come on, we're zealous for the faith. We're zealous for God's word, right? We literally have people still driving Amish buggies, still wearing like dresses in the midst of cultural abnormality because they're zealous for God. It's abnormal. We're a room full of Peters. He's the first one to step out of the boat. He's the first one to say, Jesus, you're the Messiah. He's also the first one that when Jesus says, I'm about to be crucified, he's like, man, I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. Even if I have to die with you, I'm not going to deny. How many of you guys have made like a crazy promise? I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do this again. You know, the zeal, it's there. But guess what happened? He's standing in front of a servant girl. She's this young girl. Jesus is getting betrayed. He's getting accused in front of Pilate. And she's like, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he's like, no, uh, I was not. I was not. What? Just like five hours later. What is happening? When push came to shove, when things got real, when the intensity began to press, he didn't have anything within him to actually say no to his fleshly desires and walk in the truth and the faith and the boldness that God had called him to. Why? Because he didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit yet. And he's weeping after he denies Jesus three times. And then when Jesus is telling him this, something switches. He waits in the place of prayer until he's endued with power from on high. Until he's pickled by God until he's clothed with power and then it was in that moment at Acts 2 what's the difference Peter just 40 days earlier denied Jesus in front of a servant girl then 40 days afterwards clothed with power from on high he stands up in front of the same people that crucified Jesus and says you need to repent and get right with God imagine the boldness that would take you literally just watched Jesus, your best friend, get filleted open, hung on a cross, crucified. The same people that did that, you tell them, you're the ones who did it. You crucified the Lord of glory. That's boldness. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do when he comes upon a people. When the going gets rough, when the tension is hard, when the sin comes knocking at your door, a lot of times we have zeal, but we don't have the ability to actually say no until the Spirit's power rests on us. He gives us boldness. He gives us freedom. He gives us supernatural ability. 
And we see this happening all throughout the Old Testament. I know this is a little bit teaching, but I feel like this is good. This is important. We see this happen all throughout the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon people for what? The purpose of delivering Israel from oppression. If you look at this, the, the wording, all throughout the judges, it says that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would go do great exploits. You look at, you look at Gideon. It says the Holy Spirit came upon him and he blew the trumpet. Samson, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and obviously takes the donkey's jawbone, right? The Holy Spirit came on people and then even the first king saw. Samuel says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you will be changed into a different man. And he's with the company of the prophets. It says the Holy Spirit came upon him. He starts prophesying spontaneously. And then it says he lays down naked all day. Hope that doesn't happen here this morning. Don't do that. <laughs> what was the purpose in the Old Testament? We always see the Holy Spirit came upon people for specific purposes, which was for deliverance of his people. It was to do great exploits, just like Peter did when he saw 3,000 at it. But here's the thing. In the Old Testament, it was always the leaders, the judges, those who called. But then Joel 2 prophesies something. He says this. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when the Holy Spirit's going to get poured out on all flesh. And your young men and your old men will see visions and dream dreams. I'm going to pour out my spirit on your male servants, your female servants. Everyone's going to prophesy. So what he's saying is it's not just for the spiritually elite anymore. It's not just for the leaders anymore. It's not just for those who are called to a purpose. He's saying from those who are the littlest to the greatest, no matter you're in ministry or in business, of male, of female, old, young, you will prophesy. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will have the power to be a witness to your nation, your community, your family. Are you with me? So the point number two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit's power is for every person. There was a partial fulfillment of that in Acts 2 during the day of Pentecost. But he was prophesying about a coming day where there's even going to be a greater outpouring. It continues to be fulfilled. We've seen it happen all throughout church history. Before great revivals came young men and old men and women coming together to seek the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the same way they saw in Pentecost. And as they ignited their faith together, God met them and poured out profound salvation, deliverance, and power. And I believe we're on the doorstep of that here. I'm going to wrap up really quick, but I have two points that I want to quick make. The indwelling of the Spirit, the indwelling, of the Spirit is distinct from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to share this because this gets people confused, but it's really simple. We see here in Acts 1.5, Jesus says, wait for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, check this out. In John 20, 22, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. How many guys know when Jesus breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? I've been in some charismatic meetings. I'm kind of charismatic myself, and people like to breathe on you. <laughs> you're never sure if, like, anything actually happened or if it's just, like, you're subject to their bad breath, right? 
But when Jesus, God in the flesh, breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit, okay? And they would have known this to be a fulfillment of everything he preached from John 14 to John 16. Where he's like, man, the Holy Spirit's going to come to guide you. He's going to come to comfort you. You're no longer going to be orphans. Breathes on them and says, peace I leave with you. <laughs> Receive the Holy Spirit. And they're like, sweet, we got it. Ha! So we all have the Holy Spirit. But then imagine their confusion when he says, now wait, because you're about to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're like, what? We just received the Holy Spirit. But then he's like, no, there's more. I actually want to pickle you. I actually want to submerge you. I actually want to clothe you with power. And that's going to be distinct from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be for a purpose. What's that purpose? To be a witness. Because the Holy Spirit will guide you, correct you, convict you, lead you. I don't want anybody to be confused in this room. If you're a believer, a professing believer of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 says no one can even confess Jesus as Lord except for by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says that when you believe the gospel, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You all have the Holy Spirit. Don't be confused. But some of you do not have the Holy Spirit's power resting on your lives. It's distinct. And again, it's not a hierarchy thing. It's not like, oh, you're greater. You're greater. It's for a purpose. And the purpose is the lost. The purpose is your family. The purpose is the broken. The purpose are for those who have no way out. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. This experience can be different than salvation, but even if it's at the same time, we are to be continually filled regardless of previous experiences. I'm not going to go too, too deep into this, but Ephesians 5.18 says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled is actually like a continual fillment. If you go all throughout Acts, you see Peter and Paul, where it says after even the day of Pentecost, on Acts 4, they gather together. It says the Holy Spirit comes again. The place is shaken again, and they go out with boldness again. And then on Paul's first missionary journey, it says having just been filled with the Holy Spirit, he preached boldly. It's a continual filling that needs to happen, and we all regardless of if you've experienced this before or not, need a fresh feeling today for what God is doing in our nation and our region right now. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, a couple. I'm going to share a quick story from Dwight Moody and an analogy. Life with the baptism of the Holy Spirit versus not. Your Christian life, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, is like, imagine this. You're trying to mow the lawn pair of scissors you can totally do it it might take you a while but you can do it maybe you get an upgraded pair of scissors you got a team of scissors mowers right so you got like 10 so you're efficient at this thing man you can do ministry you can do family life just like you can mow the lawn with a pair of scissors but I'm telling you Life with the power of the Holy Spirit is like having a giant X mark zero turn mower with 12 foot deck. <laughs> You're going to win out on the scissors, guys, every time. Again, it's not about a hierarchy thing. It's about an effectiveness thing. And it goes beyond our own ability and in his ability. I'm going to quick read this quote from Dwight Moody. And then we're going to kind of bring it to a close. Going to share, share a story and we'll, we'll do some ministry. If you don't know Dwight Moody... In the 1800s, he was a powerful evangelist, started many ministries, was zealous for God. Even from a young age, 
he served the Lord faithfully, zealously, and had a powerful ministry. But listen to this. One evening, at the close of his evangelistic meeting, two women approached him and told him that they were praying for him. This occurred several of the evenings that followed, and finally, he became a little perturbed about it. Why do you pray for me? Why don't you pray for the unsaved? They told him that they were praying for him to receive power. He didn't know what that meant, but these words kept bothering him. So finally, he went back to them and asked what they were talking about. And they told him that he needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, they explained to them what I'm sharing right here, what he's talking about. So he's like, let me pray with you. And he prayed fervently for this baptism and power, and he continued to pray for it on his own. I want you guys to get this. I want you to begin to seek the baptism of the power for your own life. And many it will happen right here. But Dwight prays fervently for it. And we're praying fervently for it for our region. And God's going to respond. And when he does, there will be dramatic salvation and life change that takes place when his power comes upon you. We continue to seek it until the fulfillment of it happens that we've believed for. Because not long after that, he was walking through the streets of New York City and his prayer was answered. In the midst of the hurried flurry of the city streets, he felt the power of God come upon him. It's like that cloak thing. He rushed to a friend's house nearby and asked to have a room to himself. And he stayed in that room for hours. And the Holy Spirit came upon him. Listen to this. Filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand lest he die on the spot from very joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Ghost upon him. Listen to this. In his own words, he says this. The sermons were no different, and I did not present any new truths, and yet hundreds more were converted. I would not be placed back where I was before that blessed experience. The point I want to make there is that even his same efforts in ministry were suddenly expounded a hundred times fruit when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. And I'm saying that many of you are doing great efforts, are doing incredibly zealous works for God in ministry, in your business, in your family. But the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you and take your effort and bring more fruit in the same things that you're doing. Because it goes beyond our own ability and into His ability. Just like in my own life, the addictions that I had, I tried and tried on my own strength, but when the Holy Spirit came on me, I was set free. So the Holy Spirit can come on you, free you from addictions that you've been struggling with for years, free you from sin you've been struggling with for years, free you from anger that you've been struggling with, and he can give you gifts, healing, prophecies, dreams in the night, whatever it is, for the purpose of you experiencing him and others experiencing his power. As we close, I, I'm going to say this, this last little part about faith to receive. Because what does it look like to receive and have faith to receive this power? It's okay, they don't have to come up yet. I'll call them. Um, I, I think faith, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith, not by works. It says the same as salvation, you receive by faith. And I think it's so encapsulated so well by this sentence right here. 
God will give it to you if he knows you're going to use it. Just let that, just let that sink in for a second. God will give it to you if he knows you're going to use it. If you believe that God is going to give you something in terms of his Holy Spirit, maybe it's a gift, maybe it's a power, maybe it's a hunger, maybe it's a freedom, then you know you will step out to use it if you believe that you've received something. And I'll share a story to kind of undergird this, because this is actually, I received this from J.C. Alzamora. He shared that exact same truth, and it revolutioned my life. Because I'd already had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, okay? Got free of some stuff, but I remember J.C. is sharing at Gateway one night, and he's like, hey, do you know that you can work miracles? You can see healings. You can see the, the delivered. You can see the dead raised, all this stuff. And he's like, God will give it to you if he knows you're going to use it. And I was like, I want that. I had never seen anybody healed in my life. I, it was like, I was 19 at the time. So, or maybe I was 18, I don't know. I come up to the front, and I was like, it's time, baby. I'm about to get the Holy Ghost, you know. I'm just, my faith, I'm like, this is the moment. And I come up, and JC does his normal, you know, it's, it's the, the breath thing. <laughs> I don't know what he was eating that day, but I smelled something. Just kidding. <laughs> and I was ready. Because before, I had a moment with the Holy Spirit where I fell to the ground. I felt electricity coursing through my body. I was snot, tears, puddled on the floor. You know, my life was changed when the Holy Spirit came on me. So I was ready for it again. I was like, it's time to receive the Holy Ghost. And nothing happened. And I'm like, what? I'm like, JC, come back. It didn't work. It didn't work. And I was like, man, I'm sitting there. I didn't even feel a tingly in my hand. You know, it's not even a goosebump. And then those words resonated in me. God will give it to you if he knows you're going to use it. And I thought, well, I can either believe I received something and go out and try to use it, or I can let unbelief keep me where I am. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's work in general, is not by a feeling. It's by faith. You receive it by faith. And if you believe, you will step out in action. So I walked out of that place, and I was like, all right, I'm going to step out in action. I was like, let's see what happens. The next Tuesday, I'm about to go back to Gateway House of Prayer, Tuesday night equipping service. I was ready, you know. And as I'm driving along 322, I felt just this random thought in my mind, you need to go to the worship center tonight. And I was like, oh, that's weird. No, God, Gateway House of Prayer. Like, man, the presence of God is there. I, every Tuesday I go, I get fed. It's awesome. And I'm literally driving on 322, and I just feel, no, you need to go to the worship center. I was like, this is so strange. So I just drove past Gateway, go to the worship center, and I'd grown up going to the worship center, incredible church. They have their young adults group, the living room happening on Tuesday, and I had friends that went there, I knew of it, but I'd never been, because I'd just gone to Gateway on Tuesday since I started coming to the Lord. And I show up at the Tuesday night at the living room, and it's like a packed house, there's like 400 kids packed in their old student ministry auditorium, worshiping God. It was an all-night worship night, not all night, but like two hours of just worship, no message. I was like, this is awesome, cool. So they're like worshiping, and then all of a sudden I just thought that word, like God's going to give it to you if he knows you're going to use it. And remember, the Holy Spirit comes on you. Yes, he can come on you for deliverance and freedom in your own life, but then he comes on you to be a witness. And in that moment, the week prior, I had received a gift of healing and words of knowledge, and I said, I am going to use this. So I remember sitting there in the worship service, never done this before in my life, but I was like, I'm going to get a word of knowledge. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm this young, like, 18-year-old kid. I don't know. So I'm just there like, all right, come on, get something, you know. I'm like, what am I doing? And then I, at that point, I felt like I was making stuff up, you know. I'm just literally like, I, th I think it's shoulder. I think maybe I feel something in my shoulder. I think I knee, yeah, the knee too. That sounds right, you know. I, guys, I had no idea. And this is the audacity. Faith actually requires you to step out. 
So I literally get up on stage and I tap the worship leader on the shoulder while he's worshiping. And I'm just like, hey, I think I have some words of knowledge for healing. I had never done that before in my life. I had no idea what that looked like. But I believed I received something, so I just stepped out in faith. And I wouldn't exactly suggest this all the time, but hey, if the spirit prompts, go for it. I had some relationship with him. It, was, it wasn't like that out of left field, but he let me. He's like, sure, go for it. So I'm like, all right. You know, my heart's like shaking. I'm like, this is it. And I'm like, shoulder pain. God wants to bring healing to shoulder pain and to knee pain. And I had never done that before. I had no idea. And like 12 people come to the front, and I'm like, oh, it worked. I'm like, oh, my goodness. God speaks. Wow. So I like get down. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, I'd never seen healing before. Go up to the first guy. I'm like, all right, what is it? Your shoulder, your knee? And he's like, it's my finger. And I'm like, why'd you come up? I'm like, I didn't call a finger. What are you talking about? You know? And he had a broken finger, like one of those casts that are on it. And I was like, um, okay, great. Let's pray for it. So I pray for it. And again, never seen this before. I'm just praying. I'm just like, Lord, I just pray. Heal this finger right now in Jesus' name. He takes off the cast and just goes, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God. I freaked out more than he did. And I was like, he couldn't do that before. He's like, no way, man. I could not do that before. And I was like, is there any pain? He's like, well, a little bit of pain. But, I mean, before, I couldn't even move it. And I was like, we're going to pray again. So I pray again. All the pain leaves, and he's just like, this is awesome. Now I can play Xbox again. He was just stuck. And I'm like, whoa, first healing I'd ever seen. Then I go to the next person, and she's like, I have intense shoulder pain, back pain. It's been bothering me for months. You know, nothing fixed it. I've gone to the chiropractor. So I'm like, all right, let's pray. We gather around and pray for her. And guys, I did not grow up like crazy charismatic. This is not the norm for me. She just looks up at me, and she's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what's happening? And she's like, I felt hand, grab my throat, shift something into place, and I felt this warmth go down my spine, and all the pain left. And I was like, what? The power of the Holy Spirit healed this girl's body. And from that moment forward, I began to almost weekly see people healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I would walk into a room, and I would begin to feel things in my body. I'm like, what is happening? Oh, there's back. Maybe something's got wrong with their back. Because the Holy Spirit was clothing me with power for a purpose. And he wants to clothe you with power for a purpose. Worst team, you can come on up. So number one, we have that the Holy Spirit clothes us with power to be a witness. We need this power to witness to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Number two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for every person, whether you're young, you're old, you're in ministry, you're not. It is for everyone, and it's accessible to you by faith. Number three, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we all have that, is distinct from the baptism of power of the Holy Spirit. And it's for distinct purposes. Number four, this can happen at salvation. It can be separate from salvation. But we all, regardless of our experience, need to be continually filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't rest on last week's filling. Don't rest on last month's filling. Don't rest on last year's filling. You come and say, God, I need a fresh filling for what you're doing in our region right now. And then lastly, God will give it to you if he knows you're going to use it. It requires faith to receive from God. So I just want you to stand right now. And we're going to move into a little time of ministry. 
And guys, I really, man, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and meet you afresh today. I believe that there are going to be some that are very, that are, are delivered, that there is a freedom and a deliverance that's going to come on you, where you've been seeking freedom from sin or freedom from addiction or all this stuff, and God's going to meet you in a place where you're saying, I've tried all the things, God, I've exhausted it, and He's going to come with this power and bring deliverance. I believe for some of you, it'll look like, man, I, I've always wanted the gift of feeling. I've always wanted to prophesy. I've always wanted the gift of tongues. I've always wanted to see somebody saved. God's going to come on you based on what your faith is to receive right now. And all you need to do is commit to stop grieving the Holy Spirit through sin. So right now, even where you're at, it's repentance. It doesn't require weeks and weeks of mourning and sackcloth and ashes. It requires you to commit to say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry I've grieved you the way I live. I'm now going to see you. And it, it's a commitment to stop quenching the Spirit through unbelief. Or you might say, well, he, he, don't, he won't use me like that. Or he doesn't still do that. Guys, it happens all throughout church history for those who have sought his faith with faith. Commit to stop quenching the Spirit, stop grieving the Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit wants to come on you. continue to go after this because it's not about just even a moment here this is Pentecost Sunday and I believe that there I am so jealous for the same encounter that changed my life forever when I was 17 to happen to many of you today if you need it and if you want it I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is here available for you and I I wish I wish I wish I would have sought the power of the Holy Spirit through repentance and through faith earlier in my life because I would have saved my life from a world of headache, a world of pain, and I would have known the joy of walking with Him so much sooner. And I'm jealous for that to happen to you even today. I preached this message just two weeks ago at ECC, and there was a young mom who wasn't able to be in the room, but she saw the live stream, and she had never, you know, experienced that, grew up in that, and three days later, Every day in her living room, she has two young toddlers. She was just like, Lord, I need this. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I, I want that level of power. And three days later, by yourself, nobody around, no cool music, no lights dimmed, no ambiance. She's crying out for the Holy Spirit in the middle of her living room. And she said she felt this power rest on her like a hand pressing on her head. And she felt waves of electricity go through her body. And she's getting encountered by the power of the Holy Spirit, clothed with the power, while her toddler's just walking around. And the Holy Spirit filled her as she sought Him with faith. And from that moment, she had an insatiable hunger for the Word, an insatiable faith and desire to continue to seek Him and continue to obey Him that went way beyond anything she's ever experienced before. My goal today is to stir your faith and hunger because I can share all the stories I want. I can kind of stir you up in a hype moment. That's not what's going to change you. The Holy Spirit's going to change you through your faith and your hunger for Him. So I'm asking, do you want this today? So Holy Spirit, I just invite you right now, even all across the congregation, I ask that you would begin to fall on people in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you would baptize us with your Holy Spirit and your power. 
I ask God for the gifts of healing to be given to people. I ask God right now, even just for people to feel the sensation on their head and that there would be deliverance. There would be freedom from addiction. There would be freedom from demonic torment. There would be freedom from nightmares in the night. There would be freedom from insomnia. I feel it even right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask for a great boldness to come on people, a boldness to come on people, a boldness to come on people. Holy Spirit, rest on your people right now. And wherever you're at, don't wait, don't wait for me. I just want you right now just to begin to engage God and begin to ask him for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he's gonna start falling on many of you. Look, Luke 11, Jesus promises. He says, how many of you know how to give good gifts to your children? Someone asks for a fish, he's not gonna give them a scorpion. Someone asks for an egg, he's not gonna give you a snake. He's saying, earthly fathers know how to do this. How much more will my perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So just begin to ask him right now, even in your own words. Just begin to ask him. Father, we want more of your Holy Spirit's power. We want more of your Holy Spirit's power. And in Jesus' name, I command all shame, any, any lie, that has been in this room that would say, well, I'm just not good enough for that. I'm not qualified for that. I need more time. I need more time to get right with God before that. It is a lie. It's an accusation of shame. God has a gift for you right now, and it's the gift of his very Holy Spirit's presence and power that will actually bring you into freedom, will bring you out of shame, and will bring you into the joy of his presence. Holy Spirit, come, come, come. Rest on your people. Rest on your people. Rest on your people. Many of you are, are even getting encountered right now. I need to share this last thing, and I'm going to invite some of you to the front. I had a third encounter, because remember, this is not about one moment, but it's about continual feelings. And this is where I believe we're going as a region, where we are seeking a dramatic empowerment for the Holy Spirit that would bring hundreds of thousands to the kingdom. Because I had another encounter where I had always tried to evangelize, I'd always tried to preach the gospel, it was afraid, I was fearful, I never knew what I was doing, and I never saw anybody saved, it was the worst. And I had a moment like this, where they were like, let's pray for a filling of the Holy Spirit specifically for salvation. And I, I received an encounter with power, and the very next day in the streets of Hollywood, I'm walking down Hollywood, still afraid, still full of fear, but guess what? I chose to step out in faith because I believed I received something. And as I'm walking past a guy, this is all I could muster up. I said, you're loved, as I walked by him. And he just looks at me funny. And I was like, I did it, I did it. That was my preaching the gospel, right? All I could muster was you're loved. And just the night before, I had got filled with this fresh power. And I look back and I see him turn around and start coming after me. And I was like, uh-oh, I'm about to get mugged. Like, what's happening here? But he comes up and I see tears in his eyes. And he begins to say, you said I'm loved. Then why did my girlfriend just kick me out? Why did my parents get a divorce? Why did this happen, this happen, this happen? I'm sitting there shocked. Like, 
and I began to explain to him the gospel of Jesus and how Jesus came to give life to the fullest but the Satan, the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy your life I lead him to repentance right there he repents of bitterness to his parents he gives his life to the Lord he repents of sin and then all of that week he gives his life to Jesus brings his friends back to the circuit rider nights for the next four nights and is radically changed and it was through me simply saying you're loved that was not a great gospel presentation but guess what the Holy Spirit's power was on and I'm saying that you in your workplace in your home life in your family wherever you're at the Holy Spirit wants to come on you to give results to the same efforts you've been giving you don't have to be eloquent you don't have to know what you're doing I don't know what I'm doing half the time but the Holy Spirit does and he wants to give a witness and a power would you just lift your hands with me Holy Spirit come we need this power we need this power we need this power and say this with me say Father send the promise of the Holy Spirit on my life say it again Father send the promise of the Holy Spirit upon my life Holy Spirit come on me in power go beyond my own ability and give me your presence your power your gifts in Jesus name hey what I'm gonna do is I just feel as we pray that that there's some of you that feel even just a warmth in your chest maybe you feel even um, kind of something on your head right now like a band or like a hat like something's on your head or you feel tingling in your hands if that's you I actually am going to invite you to come up front and just make a line if you feel the Holy Spirit's presence on your body you feel something happening on your head you feel something happening in your hands you feel kind of a warmth if that's you I'm going to invite you to come up right now and just respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing just come if you're feeling a sensation in your body I'm just going to invite you to step out of your seat moment to come up, to come up. right now. God, I thank you for healing even 
uh, broken collarbones. I thank you for healing tendonitis in shoulders right now. Holy Spirit, that you are resting on people with tendonitis, that you are resting on people with arthritis in their, in their joints, and you are bringing healing power. I ask God that you would do it. Holy Spirit, would you rest on it right now in Jesus' name. And every spirit of unbelief, every spirit of unbelief, I command you to let go right now. to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.